Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today, man, I'm so honored to have this guy on. Uh, he's born in the UK. He's a Nigerian uh, rapper. Actually, one of my favorite rappers in New Zealand, to be honest, and I think he's really, really underrated. Uh, I'd like to welcome Unchained XL. Yo, it's a pleasure to be here today. Yo, thanks, yeah. for, thanks for coming on, man. No worries. Thanks for making the, the trick down, bro. You're all good, man. Yeah. All good. So um, walk me through all this, man, because a lot of people don't know this about you, but you yeah. used to be the front man in uh, East of Eden, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dude, I was, I was trying to find some of you, um, because oh, I only man. found out about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I was trying to actually get rid of some of the evidence of that. <laughs> now, um, yeah, so um, in at the end of uni, um, well, actually, the story starts a bit earlier than that. Um, in high school, I was really into rock and punk, punk music because yeah, yeah. um, the community, I guess, I was involved with was uh, mainly of European descent and they were all into like corn and tool and all that kind of stuff. So I, I grew up with new metal and then into later um, later in high school, I got into like punk and screamo and all that. Yeah. So going into uni, that was kind of like my main sort of musical context. Um, and at the end of uni, sort of, I wanted to start a band in the vein of sort of under earth misery signals as lay down that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, me and one of my, a couple of my friends, we, we just started recording and writing and stuff and we put something out onto the internet, MySpace at the time. Yep. Um, I wasn't actually sure where it was going to go, but a lot of people were like, dude, this is sick. You should turn this actually into a band. Um, so we started the, the mission of getting people together and, um, just creating something and there we ended up playing uh, around New Zealand doing a few shows opening for a few internationals and it was a dope experience man I was actually trying to find some of the stuff I couldn't yeah, find it dude yeah. I, found, I, found, <laughs> I found one video of you like just full on screaming yeah. into the mic I was like yo yeah man um, this is mean <laughs> yeah no there is there is like I'm pretty sure the East of Eden TV YouTube channel is still around it's got some of our live videos unfortunately we never got around to doing a music video like we were always on the cusp but we never actually never actually got there which i don't know if it's a good thing or bad <laughs> <laughs> but were you already doing like incorporating hip-hop stuff into that nah so what? the whole hip-hop journey was happened in parallel yeah um <laughs> it's funny because every time like the band would hang out i'd always be the one who's like kicking freestyles and stuff and we'd be like oh come around huge freestyling um so like hip-hop was always a part of my sort of story and my journey it was just not the the main plug until after the kind of rock and metal thing sort of um yeah slowed down a little bit but i'd loved hip-hop from high school um actually when i started um producing i like i copped a um pirated version of fruity loops three um oh, in bro, high school. i, I bro, did the same bro, it was so, crazy yeah. and, and i was yeah i was making beats on that yeah and uh, i made my first song uh, <laughs> with a couple of my nigerian buddies from uh, new zealand and, and we yeah we put that out there and luckily i've managed to um, erase all evidence of that but um it was yeah we were doing hip-hop back then it was just it wasn't just at the front of what i was doing like it was kind of always taking the back seat yeah but um when east of eden sort of uh, yeah like i said came to an end i thought you know i do love hip-hop and it's something that will be a easier on my voice um yep. be more palatable for <laughs> my friends and family who wanted desperately to support uh, my music but couldn't because <laughs> the east of eden stuff was just not their cup of tea um, and also just, uh, it was a way for me to connect with, um, my heritage and my identity and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. Oh, cool, man. Cause obviously, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you are of African descent, but you were born yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So, so whereabouts um, in the UK were you born? 
Uh, Liverpool. I was born. So my parents um, are both Nigerians and they went to UK to do their postgraduate studies there. Right. They spent about a decade there and had me and my sister. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. Moved to New Zealand when I was 18 months old. So um, I don't remember England from when I was um, an infant, obviously, but um, I've been back a couple of times. And I still identify as British um, in part. Uh, I think partly because like there was a bit of British culture in the home obviously from the parents yeah um and also just um having not to get too deep too quickly but there's also a phenomenon of not really feeling quite at home in new zealand obviously being uh at the time in the 90s when i was growing up uh as a nigerian there weren't many people that looked like me that identified with what i identify with so i felt a little bit like um like an outsider there but also yep. when i'd visit nigeria I yep. felt like an outcast as well because um being light-skinned and uh not knowing the language um, and just, you know, being brought up in the West. So England sort of gave me, was something in the middle kind of, which gave me an interesting sense of invisibility. The first time I went back to England as an adult, I remember walking down, um, or walking in Oxford in London and not feeling like anyone was staring at me. It was weird. It was the first time I ever felt that. Like in New Zealand, I get stares. Uh, in Nigeria, I got tons of stares. In England, I was just walking and no one was looking. It was just like, yeah, he's just he's just one of us. And that was a crazy fan. That, that um, for some reason, made the idea of being a UK citizen, which I still am technically, but it made that idea um, a little bit more attractive to me because there's something about feeling at home somewhere uh, which which makes you gravitate towards it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy... crazy so do you gym. think you'd move to the UK at some point? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's the plan. Yep. That is the plan. Um, yep. I think my music will resonate with a lot of the people there in terms of their journey and their story. Um, uh, there are a lot of African migrants there, obviously. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and that's what my music speaks to. Uh, so I think it would be a smart move to go there and sort of... Um, There's a lot more opportunities there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's obvious um, plus as a, well. A larger population. Yeah, About yeah. 60 million people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. A, lot more, a lot more people to uh, reach with your music. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one. Oh yeah, but when you when, when you've gone to the UK, how long have you usually spent there? Uh, anywhere between two weeks and a month. Oh yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last trip was... So is that is that enough time to kind of... Uh, ingrain yourself in the culture um no not at all but i think it gives me an idea of whether it would be somewhere i'd like to spend a bit more time um so the benefit is um at the moment i have a british passport so it'll be real easy to move there yeah, yeah. um so i can it, i don't have to 100 percent commit to yeah to England. i can pop in and out when i when i like which is good but i think um i do have friends and family there as well so um the idea of at least establishing a bit of a base there and um, having a long-term plan to perhaps live there as an option yeah. is something that, yeah, I can embrace. So problems. would you wait until after Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, I, that, that, that doesn't really... That doesn't bother you at all? No, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I mean, if it, if it happens, it, it happens really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because I'm, I'm British, as, uh, I'm half British, because okay. my dad's British as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I can move to the UK if I nice, wanted to. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on Brexit and seeing, what, <laughs> seeing what's happening mm. and stuff. Cool, man. Um, so when you've when you've toured, uh, what's what's some of the places you've toured? Um, so last year in 2018, I linked up with a band called Afro Cluster, and we went to, uh, we started off in London, we went to Cardiff, 
um, Bristol and Leeds. And there was a show in Sheffield that was booked, but it ended up being cancelled. But um, yeah, it was good. We played those four dates and um, I was uh, I was supporting them. Um, we linked up through Instagram. It was a funny funny story how we actually linked up because um, when I was establishing myself as Unchained XL, I actually began as just Unchained. Um, and at the time, I was kind Did of... Did you chuck the XL in? Because uh, you're like, man, I'm so good. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'll, you all, yeah, I'll explain why. So um, I started started off as just Unchained. Yep. And I was doing pretty generic sounding hip hop. Um, pretty... Like, there was nothing that really set me apart from what else was going on in the scene. Um, and I kind of recognized that and um, felt that, okay, if I'm going to take this further, I need to be able to carve out a market for myself and establish myself in a way that, you know, no one else has. So I thought, um, why not combine that necessity with the other necessity for me to connect more with my heritage and sort of dive more into my culture? So I explored the idea of combining some traditional African music, yeah, um, like uh, Afrobeat. Not Afrobeats, the, the, the popular stuff you hear coming out of West Africa at the moment, but like sort of more high life inspired, funk inspired, Afrobeats, um, obviously pioneered by Fela Kuti. Um, that was the music I had in my household growing up yeah. and other um, other high life artists. So I was like, why not try an interesting experiment of combining that with hip hop and see where it goes? Um, so I did that. And when I sort of started making music in that vein, I thought, well, um, I wonder if there's anyone else doing this. So I Google searched like Afrobeat hip hop. And what did I find? I found Afrocluster. They were the first people that came up. Um, so I searched them up and I looked, uh, look, I found their Instagram and I saw their lead vocalist. Now there's a thing with black people, like, um, you can, especially Africans, you can kind of tell where someone's from. Uh, so I had a look at him. He's like, he's, he looks like he might be Nigerian. So I messaged him. Uh, <laughs> I messaged, I'm like, Hey, is your vocalist Nigerian? Um, and he comes back. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we linked up and we, we, you know, we formed a kind of kinship from that. Um, and I floated the idea of going around there to, to play shows with them and they were keen as on the idea. So, um, yeah, that's how we made that link. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool bro. So, cause you've said that you were just saying that you wanted to find your own niche and type of yeah. unique style. Cause yeah. dude, you've definitely succeeded <laughs> on that front, man. Cause Thanks. honestly, like the, as, as someone that used to rap myself, like mm. I appreciate lyricism and I appreciate a unique sound mm. and you have both. Thanks, bro. Bro. So, I appreciate it. so like, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's dope to hear. Cause the first time I heard you actually is as one of our mutual friends, mm -hmm. Kent, oh, and, yeah, say, yeah. and he played me one of your jams. I think it was back in, it was 2013 or 2014. He played me that walkout jam. You did? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When with that, with the video that you yeah. did in the alley. In the fourth street, was yeah. that, yeah. What, what year was that? It was 2016. 2016. Yeah. 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 And he's like, yo, check this guy out. He's he's dope. And I was like, yo, this guy's mean, man. <laughs> and I've kept an eye on you since, bro. And then like it's it's cool that you're 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 kind of finally blowing up, man. Cause I think you're so underrated, man, <laughs> as an bro. MC, man. Thank you. Like your 64 bar verse. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, my man. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope you do get the the actual call from yeah, Red Bull, I'll, man. It'll be good, man. I'll be ready when it comes to you. So what how did how did that originate? Were you just like I'm just going to do this because no one else is doing it. Yeah, like I was like, obviously I did want the platform. It was something I was um, I was looking to to get. But then I thought, yeah, why why wait for the for the call up? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I have the means to produce something that's high quality and to showcase my skills, so I might as well just do it. 
Yeah. Um, and also, like, I like the whole having the lyrical captions at the bottom, if you notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really, really good. Yeah. Like, even if you don't have it within, like, a lyric video, you at least have it in, like, the comments on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, because, like, I pack a lot of me. I mean, every rapper does, but, like, I, I sort of pride myself on how much meaning I do pack into my lyrics. Yeah. And since I um, delve a lot into political subjects, um, it, like I don't want a lot of that stuff to get lost so um, I do put my lyrics on the video and that's something that the Red Bull videos don't have so yep. I was like well maybe it's best that I don't get the call up right now and I get a chance to put um, something out there like that Yeah, yeah. but have those lyrics available for people to check out yeah yeah. So, do you do you do everything yourself, like the production, the yeah, writing? So, um, the, the, do you film? Like, obviously, you can't film yourself. Yeah. No. So, um, I've got a friend. His name's Jeff. He's been. Um, he's a musician himself. Actually, he does yeah. a lot of awesome stuff. Um, but he's been with me for a while. Um, actually, that clip walkout. He filmed that one. Um, and he's filmed a couple of my my clips as well. Um, just throughout the last couple of years. So yeah. Um, he's he's my go to when I don't have a huge budget and I need like a a pretty decent video. Well, he does a good job. Man. Yeah, he does. Like he he made that look legit. Really freaking good. Um, But yeah, um, in terms of the production and stuff, yeah, like 90, 95% I'll I'll do myself. I'll call on people just to um, have some input in, um, maybe on a song or two if I feel that like there's something else that someone else could bring. Um, Recently I've been working with this dude from Papakura. Um, Well, actually he's originally from Oklahoma. His name's KVP, Kevin Posey. Um, He's a producer and a rapper as well. And so we've been putting out a couple songs together. Um, It's been a bit of a collaborative experiment for me because yeah, I've been doing all this stuff myself up until very recently. So a little Um, more hands off and then Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you you a control freak though? Yeah, I'm a micromanager. (laughs) I was the same. I'm a micromanager, um, (laughs) which is, (laughs) I inherited that from my blessed mother. Um, But yeah, yeah, so... That's that was an experiment for me to be able to sort of let go a little bit and come in. But it's really good because he's first of all, he's amazingly talented. Second of all, he's um he was on the same wavelength as me in terms of um like his That always helps. Yeah, his outlook and his approach to music and also just his um just his aura and his vibe. So yeah, we we kind of connected and resonated and uh like the it was crazy the rate at which we we produced songs like I like we would just churn out a song in a day kind of thing and it would be good and I was like well I had never done that before like it was it was crazy to to experience so after that I was like yeah I'm a lot more open to collaborating now um but it has to be again yeah you know it's like a relationship in a way and you have to be careful with who you sort of share energy with, not to, to sound really spooky or anything. But no, like, no, no, yeah, but you know I, I, I mean? no. Yeah, I fully yeah. agree, man. I mean, yeah. if you if you hang around like bad people, it yeah. can corrupt good character. It can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree, dude. Yeah, and I think like it's important. Like creativity is something that you shouldn't force. It should flow freely. Yeah. Um, and I kind of actually look at creativity as like a train that you catch and you're just waiting at the station. Um, and once, once the train approaches, you get on board and it goes, um, it's something you just receive and you just wait and it comes. Whereas, um, like if you try and force it, if you try and sort of get where you need to be by yourself without sort of waiting for the creative train, it'll never quite be as good and as smooth a journey as it could have been if you just waited. So um, I, that's what I view my creativity as. Like if I'm not in the space to write, I don't write. You yeah. know, I, I, I'm not like I need to get this song. I'm like, you know what? There's something else I can do because I'm like fully independent at the moment. There's marketing to do. There's accounting to do. There's all this other stuff, this PR to do. So I can, there's all this other stuff that I can be taken care of. Yep. I don't have to force creativity. I'll just wait. I'll wait for it to come. If a song idea comes, I'm on it. Like it might be two o'clock 
in the morning, I might wake up to go for a piss and be like, oh, there's this melody. <laughs> like, it's in my head right now. Like, what am I going to do with it? I'll go, I'll record that melody on my phone before I go to sleep. Dude, that's exactly what I used yeah, to do. Yeah, it's important, man. Yeah, it's yeah, important yeah. because you'll forget that and you'll hate yourself for forgetting it. Yeah. But um, in those moments, that's where the brilliance comes because it's not yeah. forced and it, it's arrived at the time. Do you ever yeah. get writer's block or anything, though? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, man, lyrically real bad yeah um so i've had to i mean i've developed a few techniques to get around that in terms of um like if i really if there's something and if i'm up against the wall and something's due the next day and i really need to get it done like yeah i've got ways that, to get around it um but in general yeah once that happens i just step off because i know like i'm learning to trust that i will make something brilliant like it will eventually come because it's very like, I mean, you know what writer's block is like. It yeah, makes you yeah. really question your ability. Yes, you're like, you're like, oh my totally God, am I do. even a rapper? Like, yeah. am I even good at this? Like, can yeah. I, it really makes you question that. But I'm learning to like silence that voice and take a step back and be like, you know what? Every single time I've made a, I've decided to make a song, I've come up with something I'm happy with. Why would that suddenly stop now? Yeah. So I'm like, if I get writer's block, I'm like, hey, I'm stepping out, I'll do something else. I'll come back and I will make something great. And that, um, just that process has been really, really valuable. Are you yeah. competitive with yourself though, in terms of like, you might look at some of your older material and be like, oh, yo man, this isn't oh, as dude, good as that. Or like, I literally hate anything that's like two songs ago and before. I hate it. Like, I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> so you don't I, listen to your own stuff? I, not, not like just very recent stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. can't stand walk. Anyone who says walk out, I'm like, I can't stand it. <laughs> like, my band's like, bro, when are we playing walk out? Then I'm like, I can't stand I don't want to listen to walk out. I don't want to listen to my Foreign Legacy EP. Yep. I don't I don't even listen to Market Mind. Like, that came out this year. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to listen to that. Um, it's stuff, yeah, it has a very, very quick <laughs> expiry date for me. Um, but I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing. No, I think I, I actually uh, watched an interview where Dr. Dre said yeah. the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said yeah. that he doesn't listen to any of his stuff. Mm. And if like he has to perform on tour with like Eminem or something, mm. he has to go back and relearn his lyrics because yeah. he doesn't remember them. Yeah, so, yeah. No, so I'm, yeah, man, yeah. I, it's probably a common thing, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. So how many how many instruments can you play? Because <laughs> um, I think I saw you playing bass. Yeah, so I play bass, I play drums. Drums was my first sort of um, instrument that I really, really invested into. Like I, my parents compelled me to play piano when I was four years old. And I played that classically up until 11. Yeah. So yeah, keys was my foundation, but then drums was like my first love. Um, I played that in high school, Played. Uh, I got into bass, I got into guitar. Um, and then I did a bit of like auxiliary percussion in, in high school when I was in the concert band. So like marimba yeah. and uh, all that kind of thing. Um, I never really got into, regrettably, I never got into um, the woodwind, especially like brass, trumpet and like um, sax. I'd, I'd love to be you able had, to I, I heard, uh, what was it, just earlier, I think a couple of weeks ago, yeah. your weight, weight well, on my bars four. And yeah, you had this yeah. wicked saxophone at yeah, the end, that's, bro. Yeah, um, that's Tabani. Yeah. Uh, Gaspara, yeah, yeah, he's a, um, a Zimbabwean. Yeah, he's a Zimbabwean sax player. Yeah. So, um, every, so did you make the beat and were just like, "Yo, man, this needs some yeah. sax on it." Uh, exactly. Well, yeah, actually, I didn't. When I made it, I was like, "There needs to be something at the end." I'm not really sure. I think um, a friend of mine was like, "Bro, try a guitar solo." I'm like, "Yeah, that's a bit. There's a bit naff having a guitar solo. Maybe a sax solo would work." Um, so I get my boy, um, yeah, Tabani to uh, to play on it, and he was dope. Actually, um, also Matt Bizzle, who's um, he's a sax player from Auckland City. He's been um, he was on my track, you know, that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he played sax on that. So yeah, I've got a bit of a 
And um, also just having sax on my tracks is a bit of a throwback to Fela Kuti anyway, who was a uh, sax player as well, among other things. So um, it's a bit, yeah, like it's iconic to have that kind of stuff. Well, having saxophone solos, they're quite rare these days. Yeah, you you don't really have that. Yeah, but like even your sound, man, like Mm. you just don't hear it these days. Like a lot of these rappers I hear nowadays, Mm. they just all sound the same. (laughs) Like all sound the same. They're all doing the same thing if it's not... You know, uh, G Funk, it's like trap. Yeah, trap. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's real like, popular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's cool that you're doing your own thing, man. Thanks. Um, and when Ryan, when Ryan was on, mm. like, yeah, I was, I was glad that he, he knew who you were because mm. he's been in the game for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you ever do like battle rap or anything? <laughs> battle rap. Uh, well, the issue with me is that like, um, I keep all my stuff relatively clean. Well, actually, very clean and relatively positive. Well, there's, I, I know you know PFAC. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. like, in my opinion, yeah, the yeah, best one of the, yeah. battle rapper. It can be done. It definitely can be oh, done. Oh yeah. Um, there's like a lot of the a lot of the dudes who battle rap yeah, now, yeah. like Christian, Christian, yeah, Christian yeah. and they they keep everything they clean. They can do it. Yeah. It, and, it can and, be done. Yeah. And I actually, just, I think it it sparks more creativity it that does, way it because does. they don't have to rely. Yeah. No, you're right. On a on so a negative word. It definitely <laughs> it definitely can be done. But I think the thing with me is that I don't know if. I, don't I, reckon, know I, I reckon you could do it. Bro. I could probably could, but I, I don't feel that within me to try and do that. Like, um, like dissing people. I kind of, I'm not really interested in dissing other rappers. I'm kind of interested in dissing yeah, yeah. like political systems or <laughs> whatever. Like, the, you know. Um, what if, what if yeah. there was a political figure who was a rapper that wanted to battle you? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, or, I mean, if they were very powerful and they had a lot of influence and they yeah, were yeah. involved Let's in say, the, like Simon Bridges the, the, the or impression of, and yeah. he's like, yo, I want to battle you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably more be inclined to, because my, um, I'm going to be upfront. I'm not that good at thinking off the fly. Like, um, oh, freestyling, like yeah, right on the, off the top of the dome. Yeah. I, I go, I go, I have seasons. Like, yeah. I'm the same. I have seasons of that. Right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. one season I'll be like, yeah, I'm untouchable. Another season I'm like, bro, I cannot even rhyme tree with anything. Um, so yeah, not, not so much that also like, um, the thing with better rappers is they have an amazing recall. Like I know a lot of, you know, a lot of better rappers freestyle, but also a lot of it is just you, you've written this last night and you remember the verse. I can't do that, man. Well, so, some people just have like, yeah, the, like the photographic memory and they just insane. write it. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. I can't do that. I need I need a while to to really soak in and memorize my... So that's another another reason why the sort of battle circuit is one I'm like, I'm like yo, that's not my my thing. Well, if, if someone paid you, let's, let's hypothetically, I mean, this might yeah. not happen or not, but let's say if someone's like, yo, man, I'll pay you five Gs to... to to battle, you know, feedback or something. Would yeah, you be like? Yeah. Would you be open to it? Or what, kind, like, what kind of battle are we talking? About? Are we talking about like a traditional like? Yeah. Well, let's say you had to battle feedback or something. Yeah. Well, because uh, I'm I'm aware that there's like the battle, as in like I release a track, you release a track, I release a track. Yeah. I'd, well, there's that, there's that like battle on yeah, wax. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, there's that side of it. Would you, I'd be more inclined to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, just because like obviously I'd want to produce my track as yeah, well. Yeah. 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 Um, because I think like the musicality would be all part of it. Um, and then, yeah, just to give me a bit more time to craft my words and stuff um, yeah. would be good. Whereas it's sort of a, a, a live battle where it's like, we're just well, you're going. you to feed off the crowd mm. and everything. And, you know, if they're booing yeah. you, it can, <laughs> <laughs> Man, it can upset that, that's, your game. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably a bit too much pressure for me. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in 
experimenting with it in a well, lower pressure. Well, if you ever wanted to do it, I know the dude who runs it. So. Right, okay. So, okay, he, cool. so, yeah. I could, so I could tee it up for you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Because right. yeah. yeah. I've heard you, some of your stuff, man. I'm like, yo, man, this guy could probably beat most of the, the battle rappers <laughs> out. Yeah, you know what? Like, well, the thing is, the crazy thing is, like, I might actually be good if I, like, actually committed to it. Um, well, that's the, that's the thing. And this yeah. is the thing I was talking to Ryan about because he used to do it. Mm. And he was saying that it requires so much time that he had to put music right. to the side because uh, you're spending he'd have to go to work and he'd be spinning his yeah. raps while he's at work like trying to memorize his he's trying his to memorize lines. and just writing all the time like the dudes yeah. who do that um well, don't he, don't flop like that when they have tournaments there they're just going like there's just battle after battle and yeah so much material you have to churn out memorize come off the fly um and i'm like these guys are so good why don't i hear their music um and then i I realize that a lot of them either don't have music or the yeah. music they do is kind of low quality because i'm like they're obviously putting a lot of work into the battle one creative space yeah yeah and yeah. i'm like dude if these guys like some battle rappers i'm like i swear like a lot of um recording rappers can't rap like that you nah. know what i mean <laughs> they can't rap so I'm like these battle rappers if they they put out tracks man they'll be doing stuff but you know they've chosen so it's, their it's path, actually though. very hard to see uh, people that do both though yeah because uh usually because people like say oh this person can do this then they could do that but it's it's two separate things really mm. i think if you were to just because uh when because I, I i did a track with pfac mm. and he had to change his whole approach when mm. because he he had to flow he had to yeah it's all about flow and you have to rap on beat with of like course, the yeah. kick and the snare yeah and, so it's a whole, it's a whole different yeah, thing. Of, so there's a different, of, it's a different art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of, but a there lot is of some the, crossover. A lot of the battling is um, like I think don't flop battles are acapella, so you don't have to worry too much about yeah being you you know your flow and your groove and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just punch lines and 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 that kind of creativity, which is which is awesome. I think um to be honest, I think there's a lot like those rappers can learn from each other. If they really workshop, like if, if recorded rappers really workshop battle rapping and battle rappers really workshop recorded rappers, like, yeah, yeah, man, you could, yeah, come up with something that's pretty crazy good. Yeah. Cause I, I'm, uh, yeah, I, there's so much bad material out there these days that <laughs> yeah. I kind of wait for people to tell me like, yo, check this guy out. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I mean, I go on the radio and stuff and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so generic. Yeah. So who do you, who do you get inspired by? Who do you get motivated by? Um, so I don't know if you've heard of this dude. His name is Tobem Mwigwe. He's a um, Nigerian-American yes. rapper. Um, he's also an Igbo, which is the same ethnicity as me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And he, he's been really coming up in, um, he's from Texas, I believe, um, really coming up recently. Um, I was following him back when he was just, um, yeah, he, he wasn't too big and just on Instagram doing his thing. And recently he's just really exploded because his, his whole approach, which is crazy, Absolutely, and I don't know how he's done. It. I'd love to have a chat with him and figure this out. But he he did this thing called I think he's still doing it called Get Twisted Sundays, where every Sunday he'd drop a music video for like I I think I'm pretty sure he did this for a year. He's got so much material out. He just every Sunday a new music video, and these these music videos are high quality, man. Like they started off like okay, but now they are high quality. I'm like, how do you have that much material, that much music? Uh, that many verses, um, a team that just location scouts, um, people who have your costumes ready, um, or your um, cinematographers, or your like uh, choreographers. Like every video is a high quality video. And he's putting out every week. I'm like, how? Um, and 
he's just done this and his social media like following has just gone huge because he's just been in everyone's face everyone's news feed and he's an insane rapper like it's not just the fact that he's putting out material but he's insane like he must live and breathe at 24 oh, he is, bro you listen to this guy he's like got the flow of big boy and the content of andre uh 3000 like he's absolutely insane like i've not like his he just did npr tiny discs yep i've not heard anyone on his level like legit he's insane so like that guy at the moment like chief inspiration just um like i have no desire to sound like him but i just would um, you holler at him and be like yo man oh dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i just love how a he reps his like he's he he does it so smoothly how he he's unafraid to rep his nigerian heritage yeah um and he like in an in an interview or something or in between songs he'll like bust out his Nigerian accent and stuff like that and he will talk about like uh, classic tropes about how Nigerian parents are uh, so he really connects with me on that level but then he's very very much a Black American in terms of his culture and how he yeah, yeah. how he rolls and so um I love his integration between you know his Western upbringing and his Nigerian culture that's something I aspire to uh, I aspire to rather um so yeah he he's he's the chief inspiration another rapper called um manifest m dot uh he's he's from ghana he's a, he's incredible too i love him because he's got this whole high life afrobeat sort of um, hip-hop crossover as well um so musically i'm inspired a lot by him and i love how he's just unapologetically ghanaian unapologetically african he's like existing in spaces where american rappers are but he's not trying to be American. Yeah. Um, so I love that about him. So that, I, I'd say those two at the moment. Yeah. Have you have you been to Nigeria? Yeah, yeah. I've been a couple of times. Yeah. 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 What was it like the first time you went? Uh, the first time I was very young. It was a big culture shock. Um, and everyone was looking at me and laughing at me. So I didn't like it. <laughs> um, but the second two times I was a bit older. So the second time I was at the end of high school. Yeah. Third time I was, uh, I'd been working for two years outside of uni. So I was an adult and it was a lot more enjoyable. Like my cousins were older. So they were like, I saw them more as my friends and um, we went around the different cities and stuff and it was just good like connecting with where I was from, going to my village, eating the food and um, seeing the culture. And, yeah. So what's one of the biggest differences to say Nigeria compared to the UK or New Zealand? Uh, well, com obviously compared to New Zealand, the population and like the demographics, like uh, you know, 99.9% .9 of people you see typically in Nigeria are black people. So, you know, when you said that people looked at you, yeah, is that yeah. because you were lighter skin? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I get called uh, Oyimbo or Onyocha, which are both, um, Onyocha is the um, Igbo word for white white person. Um, Oyimbo is like, uh, it's the Yoruba word for white person, but it's more sort of widely used. So they'll say that. Um, which... so, so if I went with you to Nigeria at yeah, that yeah. time, would, would, at that time, if, 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 would they have just forgot about you and been pointing at me? Uh, probably. Or would they still be like you guys? Are yeah, both probably. White? So, so like when I was there, and um, it would either have been two thousand and seven, which was the second time I went, or uh, two thousand and two or two thousand one was the first time. One of those times I forgot. There was like a German boy in the village, like blonde hair, German, <laughs> um, on the back of this motorcycle going past. And my, I think my uncle was like, or my cousin was like, uh -huh, see, your, see your brother. I'm like, really, bro? I, like, I'm not, I, you know, I'm light skinned, but I'm not that, man. What? My brother? Yeah. So um, that was a kind of, but to be honest, it's come a long way. Like Nigeria is a lot more metropolitan now. Yeah. Um, What's the population? Cosmopolitan, you know? brother. Um, I'm going to say it's 180 to 200 mil. 
around Damn. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite quite a big. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more like um, a lot more mixed demographics, and especially in the inner cities like Lagos and Abuja, um, they're used to white people. They're used to people of all different shades. Yeah, so like, yeah. It's just like whatever. You go there now, people. Are um, still in the villages, like people have a bit of fun, like looking at you and stuff. But yeah, it's like that everywhere. Have, have you been to other parts of Africa or just Nigeria? <laughs> nah, just Nigeria, reg- uh, regrettably. But I mean, there's still time. I, I'd love to go to Ghana. Um, I'd love to visit Southern Africa. I think there's some beautiful countries there to have a look at. Yeah. Um, Kenya is a place I'd love to go to as well. Yeah. So how do you, you know, when you decide that you're going to go on tour? Yeah. How do you decide where you're going to go on tour? <laughs> you say this like I'm big touring artist. Um, no, I'm, but, but I'm just yeah, curious. I'm honestly, curious. I just tour where, at the moment, I just tour wherever I wherever I can organize because yeah, yeah. like I'm independent. I don't have management, don't have a label. So I'm just like, you know, wherever I can book a venue. But I'm sort of looking forward. I guess I'm looking at wherever I can really establish a market. So um, there I have been able to push my music in Nigeria a little bit. That's cool. And have people over there sort of know who I am. So I think um, going there, maybe not necessarily hitting a tour straight away, but definitely going there on a music trip and just networking a bit and putting my music out there more and seeing what's going on there will be of benefit to me. So maybe I can come back another time and, you know, play a couple of shows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'll just, I'm open to touring most places now, but I, at the same time, like I think there needs to be a long-term strategy to accompany the tour. So one thing, I mean, I've been learning a lot in the last um, couple of years doing this music thing. One thing I used to think was like, oh yeah, I just need to play overseas. I just need to play here, play here. I'll play one show in Australia. I'll play one show in England. I'll play, you know, this, 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 that. Um, and I realized like even after doing that, like not much happened. And I was like, why? Like, I've played overseas now. I should be massive. But that's not how it works. So how it works is that you need to, it's like a synergistic, uh, cyclic sort of um, phenomenon of needing a market there and then going and feeding the market. But you need to feed the market in order to get the market. But it's this thing where you need to have a strategy in the place that you're going to. So you either need to have distribution that will push your music there. You need to have a way, yeah, PR that has links there, a way to make yourself known, to make yourself wanted. And then you go there and then you tour it. And then that increases and so on and so forth. But if you just go somewhere, play a show and come back, cool um if you if you happen to get anyone at your show in the first place um they'll forget you if you know if you don't have a strategy to come back if you're not pushing your music there so now i'm kind of like well i'm gonna tour anywhere that i have the ability to actually put my music there first um and then create a demand and then um, think about a couple months down the uh down the line maybe a couple years down the line am i going to be going there constantly coming back you know, am I going to, how, what's my strategy for feeding that market, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I acknowledge like as an independent artist, it's going to be very difficult to do that. I definitely need oh, sort yeah. of, yeah, outside help. So it, yeah. So how do you, cause obviously the market the, yeah. these days is very, very oversaturated. It's, yeah. it's incredibly hard to push your music out there because yeah, there's is. so much material out there mm. and people don't want to pay for anything anymore <laughs> they're just used to getting everything for free yeah, yeah so how do you how do you fund the money to like do all these <laughs> tours and, and... <laughs> what a question um so i am fortunate enough to so i worked as an engineer for audio engineer um no a um a software engineer actually oh, um technically nice. yeah technically a test automation engineer I worked as, because I studied computer systems engineering at uni for four years. I did that, um, worked for a few years, saved up a lot of money. Um, I'm also married. 
Um, so my wife is like wonderful. She's working. She's holding it down. I mean, I'm making a little bit, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm just doing, we're both doing our thing. I've saved a bit. She saved a bit. We're both debt free coming out of uni. Um, and then, yeah, she's, she's obviously got a steady income and I'm bringing on some from the side project, uh, projects that i'm doing so we're just kind of just like that's cool man because a lot of a lot of musicians i i speak to on here obviously struggling they're trying to push their music and they're they're doing a full-time job and obviously uh, i suppose what i want to know is um do you ever get overwhelmed or just run out of energy um yeah well so it's less about the money thing like the money thing is something i think about and i have to be strategic with the investments because everything I'm spending on is an investment. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Um, I have to be strategic with that. But the main the main energy drainer is the thing, is the issue of, like, someone someone put this really well. Like, there are highs and lows yeah. in, in creative endeavors, but there are no middles. Um, and it's very true, especially when you're on the come up. Like, you might play an amazing show, get an amazing interview opportunity, a TV spot, whatever, and you're on a high, you're like, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm right, I'm on the right path, God's blessing me, yo, was good. Um, and then the next day, you might have two months of nothing happening, and you're like, why did I ever decide to do this? Like, I should quit right now, I should throw in the towel. Like, it's either there or it's there. Yeah, um, and it's, totally. It's, it, man, it is so tiring to exist in that space. It's so, you have to, you can't depend on external um, output to bring you to this middle point. You can't depend on um, some kind of stability or some kind of you know regular. This is happening, so I can be here. Um, you have to create that ability to bring yourself here, um, which means you have to have you have to motivate yourself. You have to um, remind yourself when nothing's happening that no, you've done this decision you made is correct. Um, that something will happen that's good. It might not be happening now. You know, you've put in work, so down the future things will come back. You have to have things that you tell yourself, have ways to remind yourself that what you're doing is what you're doing is right. And you have to be able to, you know, foster sort of an attitude in yourself. So you're always you're here as much as you can and you're not sort of carried by the winds of of good things happening and bad things happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in that in, in that sense it takes a lot of a lot of energy. So is there is there any things that you rely on to psychologically Stay in that place so you get rid of those negative voices. Yeah, well, um, yeah, obviously, like I've got, I've got a, an amazing community. My wife is amazing. Yeah, uh, my family is amazing. Uh, my friends are good, and so all of them, you know, they're encouraging me. And then, like, there's my faith. So, um, like, I'm convinced that w- uh, the path that I'm on right now is a God thing. I don't know if if God's like, yeah, you're gonna be a rapper, and you're you're gonna be the best rapper ever or tour or whatever. But I know that the path right now is a God path, and um, it's going to lead me to somewhere that he wants me to be. It might be anywhere. So that's something that I that take stock in as well. Yeah, yeah well, listen, dude, I, I do think you're like so, so good at what you do, man. Thanks, so, yeah, man, whenever you're in your place, uh, in that dark place, bro, yeah. just feel free to pop on this interview, bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> now you're, you're really good. So like in terms of when you're writing a verse. Yeah. How do you how do you structure it? Do you start with the punchline and then work backwards? Um, actually, recently I've been experimenting a lot more with that, um, and I found that's a good way of sort of accentuating the punchlines and making them a bit more like a bit more beefy. But um, I've man, I like I change quite often. <laughs> um, so what I was doing up until recently was like 
especially if it's more of a kind of freestylish kind of verse where I'm just like, you know, it's a bit of a confidence flex. I'm hitting these subjects and doing this and doing that. What I do, I do everything on Google Docs, by the way. Shout out to Google. You all <laughs> should sponsor me. Uh, yeah, so like I'll, I'll create a Google Doc and I'll bullet point everything that I've been thinking about in the last, I don't know. I'll look at my Twitter, see what I've been tweeting about. I'll look at my Facebook, see what I've been talking about. Yeah. And just, just jot down what I've been thinking about, the, the different subjects, um, the different feelings that I have. And then I'll start writing and I'll just reference that list and be like, oh, I might talk about this now, cross it off, talk about this, cross it off. There's a way. It's a bit oh, more, yeah. yeah it's a bit That's more, a cool way of doing it. It's a bit more methodical and like, because you often get to a point where you're like, in your verse, you're like, oh, what do I talk about next? Oh, yeah. Talk about this. So did you do that with your 64 bar verse? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? So yeah, with two to the six, I did that. Um, How long did it take you to write that? Well, right to um, Man, you know, it's, it's really crazy. When I commit to something like a 48 or a 64, yep. I get that done real quick. Like two, three days, I get it done. If I just commit to a 16, yep. sometimes it takes me a week. I'm like, why is like... <laughs> How does it, uh, like, a 16, like, a, a 64 is four 16s. I can do that, like, boom. Yep. But you just tell me to write a 16, I'm like, damn, 16 bars? 16 whole bars? What am I going to say? I don't know why that happened. So, yeah, 64 bars, that one, um, I shouldn't call it that because it's branded. But my two to the six, um, yeah, took two to three, two to three days to, to compose, to write. Um, and then, yeah, it was just a task of memorizing it. Um, but yeah, other, my way to my bar series where they're all 48 bar tracks. Um, yeah, sometimes they can take a week or it's weird. Like sometimes it'll be like I, eight bars or 12 bars will take me a couple of days. And then the remaining, I don't know, 36 bars will be like, boom, happen yep. in the rest of the afternoon. It really depends. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, true, true. Yeah, man. It's interesting, man. Very, very interesting. So with the with the production that you do, because obviously being a producer and mm. you write, yeah. like how do you, do you make the beat first and then write? Or do, yeah, you, always... or do you customize the beat around what you write? Uh, yeah. Because I found I did both. Both? Um, I will, I will usually have to have the beat first. I have to have a beat. Oh, I might not write the beat to, I might not write the music to the, sorry, the lyrics to the beat that I actually use at the end yep. of the day. Um, so for that two to the six track, I found a beat on like, like a type beat that I was into. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yep. Um, and then wrote to that. And then when I produced the track for it, I made sure that the feel was the same as the type beat. Like it had the same, it moved the same, it had the same groove, but all, obviously all the instruments, the melodies, all that, the production was completely different. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I just... I think you have to, I think if you try and fit a verse around a beat that you didn't write it for, it can still work, but it's not optimized. You know, I really want to optimize my music. I want to make it, you know, make sure it really, really fits. So yeah, when I write to a beat, if I write to a beat that's not mine, I'll make sure I produce it, produce a beat that has that same groove. Otherwise, with a lot of the songs that I put out on Spotify and stuff like that, I'll yeah, have the beat written first because that I think it comes back to like my sort of musician instrumental background um when I was in East of Eden I was producing all the music so I'd write the guitar oh, wow. yeah yeah I produced all of it so I'd write all the parts and stuff so like I come from a background of writing of music first like I'll have a melodic idea I'll have a beat and then that'll happen and then lyrics actually um coming making hip-hop my main thing was an interesting experiment because you can get away in metal 
with lyrics being an, a bit of an afterthought. You can be like, oh, I kind of just want to say this. What's the kind well, of the the, the guitars take center yeah, stage? Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what's a creative way to to say this? Oh yeah, so that'll do because yeah. a most of most people can't understand it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and b it's just not the thing that you take back. Like you, if you're thinking of your favorite medical songs, um, metalcore, not medical. Um, <laughs> You remember the riffs, yeah. You remember the breakdowns. You remember, you remember something about, but you rarely remember like, oh yeah, I like that verse. Yeah, like, that's another thing. Whereas in rap and hip hop, it's, it's lyrics. Lyrics, like that's what you're doing. So I had to be like, oh wait, actually, no, I can't just chuck lyrics on at the end, um, and like, have an afterthought. I have to like that has to be the it's the fundamental, it's the essence of what I'm doing. So I have to put thought, I have to put effort and energy into the lyricism and the beats. Not so much as an afterthought, but the beat supports the lyrics, not the lyrics supporting the beat, you know? So that's, I had to get that sort of mindset right. Um, and it took a bit of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I found, because I, I did a bit of uh, production for uh, the Leaders Force uh, yeah, metal yeah, yeah. band. Cool. I, I assisted with their production and stuff, and it was mm. a completely different approach yeah. than, say, hip-hop. Yeah. Which tends to rely on loops, you know. Yeah, loops. Four, four. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of a lot of um sort of more m modern metal and hardcore stuff is like the song structure is just continuous. It's yeah. not like hip hop is like hip hop is more closer to I guess pop music where you you know you have A B A B C B song structure. Whereas a lot of metalcore now metalcore, my, my accent is so bad. Um, you have just like a continuous stream of thought and yeah. and expressed in music like this section will be different to this section will be there will be no like real callbacks or anything like that yeah yeah um so yeah that kind of product and also even just from a technical point of view like when you're mixing metal the lyrics are way uh, sorry the vocals are way down like compared oh, yeah, to the, the yeah, music totally. they're way down yeah, yeah. and you don't notice it because like so in uni i spent all my time listening to metalcore hardcore all that kind of stuff so i was like that I was just conditioned for that music. Uh, and then when it comes to producing, if you listen to my stuff, my first Unchained stuff, you're like, why are the vocals so quiet? I'm like, That's, this sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, the vocals are so quiet compared to stuff now. And you listen to like production hip, you're like, oh crap. Well, the vocals are just, they're really in your face. Yeah. Like they're really out there. Um, So, yeah, did, that, you, did you teach yourself how to mix? Yeah, man. Like that was because your mixing's very good, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was so that was like just years and years of <laughs> trial and error. And oh, just, yeah, that's yeah. the only way you learn. That's the only way you learn. Like you can get taught. You can get taught in the sense that you well, can I learn. learned, the, but it didn't yeah. really help me that well, much. Well, that's the thing. Like you can get the theory. You can learn. I think okay. So I think stuff like SAE and uh, mains, mains are so so valuable for knowledge of gear yep. knowledge of industry knowledge industry standard knowledge knowledge of um i guess technical knowledge of how things work um they're great for that and they're they're amazing for that but like mixing is a it's like i guess the differences between say auckland university and auckland university of technology yeah um yeah. you can learn the theory all you want but how do you actually do something like imagine someone coming to your place and teaching you not showing you just teaching you how to be a carpenter teaching you how to make a table you coming away being like writing a test being like sweet this is what i do i drill this i cut this i do this do this you write the test you pass you get an a plus and then you go around saying bro I'm a carpenter. Everyone's like, what have you made, bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you, and, and has anything that you have made, is it good? Does it stand up? Does it, you know, or yeah. is it crap? So like 
how do you get good at making? You just have to make stuff. Yeah. And you were the first things you make, no matter how qualified you are, are probably going to be terrible. Yeah. Because no matter how much you learn intellectually, um, the connection between what your brain does and what your hands can do is different. And it's the same totally. thing with mixing, man. You can like, I like I talk to mixed engineers from um, SAE who know so much stuff. They'll know plugins. They'll know what this does. They'll know this stuff, and they'll they'll know how to master for this platform, how to master for this, how to do this. And I'll listen to their stuff. I'm like, mm. okay, <laughs> like you know, I just won't even comment because I'm like, well, yeah, I don't I don't care how much you know, bro. Like I was mixing stuff on Adobe Audition 1.5. Yeah. That sounds better than that. Yeah, with, with plugins that like you should never use for music. So like, um, it's yeah, it's, it's just it just comes down to to ear. I mean, it's your ear, and yeah. your ear needs to be trained. Um, it's a it's a technical exercise. It's yeah, an exercise it's a very it very hard thing to master. Yeah, it is, um, and it's something you just get better at. Like every time you do a song and you look, listen back, yeah. you could be like, oh yeah, I yeah. can do this better. Yeah. And also when you're mixing, like yeah. your ears get, you know, yeah. over time they get tired. And yeah, because like, I, I find I mix I've mixed something. Yeah. They're like, yeah, this is this is dope. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I'll go away, come back like come an hour like, later. I'm like, oops. What? Yeah, no, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that yeah, that fatigue does does happen. I think um what I tell people, because I get a lot of people being like, bro, like, can you can you teach me how to mix? I'm like, um, I could or can can you mix myself? I I could do that. Um, I could also just tell you to go away, have a go at it, and come back, and then I could tell you the things that you need to listen for. I'm not going to tell you what plugins you should use. I also, I like anyone who asks me like, oh, what are the best plugins? I'm like, bro, don't worry about the plugins. If I, I'll listen to their stuff and I'll be like, there's no, there's no plugin under high heaven that's going to fix that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I'll be like, well, if bro, you record something badly, then. Well, yeah, you're recording. So it's not even, and it's not in the gear, it's the performance. Like yeah. a lot of people can't even get the performance right. If you're yeah. like recording like this, and like, well, you're not confident, you're not like, um, you're not enunciating, you're not doing all this stuff. You're like, it doesn't matter what, what happens from the recording side to the mixing side, the mastering side, it's trash already. Yeah. Um, the performance is the first thing you get. The second thing, obviously, the way you record, not even the actual gear you use, just mic positioning, all that kind of stuff, that needs to be right. And then you get into, after that is right, then you get into gear. Totally. I, I think it's honestly like 70, 80, 80 to 85% is just how skillful the people are doing what they're doing. In terms of quality, 80, 85%. Then when you get that last 90%, that's when you get not even top line gear, you just get like a step up from your baseline gear. That will take you to the 90%. The last 10% is when you start spending $20,000 on an EQ, you know, yeah. like, which I just learned <laughs> recently that some people do, yeah. which that sounds kind of crazy. But I guess if you have $20,000 speakers, you can you get $20,000 detail, yeah, which yeah. $20,000 EQs can, you know, manipulate. Um, but then I mean, everyone goes and listens on $10 friggin'. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. But yeah, so but if you want to get that that 85 to 90% quality, that's all your ear. That's all training. That's all stuff you can use. You can use uh, Reaper, Cubase, Logic, Pro Tools, stock plugins, the stock plugins that, and you can get to that level of quality. Like my like walkout was playing on the radio. Bro, you should have seen the room I recorded that in. I had no padding on the walls. I had like a friggin' um a blanket that I just put over my head. I didn't like my mixing I think it was oh yeah, I had no sub. Like oh I was I had cheap headphones that I was monitoring bass from. I was yeah. like so like <laughs> um my, my my gear was terrible. I still got that on the radio. They were still like, oh it's good enough to be on the radio. So like you can do that stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. 
um, yeah, mixing is definitely a skill that you need to build up over time. Yeah. Would you ever get into scoring music for like short films or right. films or anything? Hundred percent. So, like a friend of mine who's a stunt person. Um, because we all have friends who do stunt work. Um, yeah, she was like, oh, um, uh, she had like a, a kind of like a reel kind of thing or a video that, you know, you send to uh, choreographers so they can, um, they'll determine if they want you for a movie or not. Oh, and yeah. she was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've got this clip. Can you can you do some music for it? I was like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. So that was a cool little experiment that I did. I, um, I composed a little, you know, a piece for that. Um, and I put it together and she was really happy with the product. And I was like, oh, man, I'd, you know, I'd do more of that. Was it just like a funky type? No, it was, was like it, it was like a like, like an action like an action scene like oh, suspense and all that kind of stuff. You got the lingo one here. Yeah, yeah, I can show you that. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, um, I did. My friends who got married in January asked me to write their walk-in music. So and, and they're like, they came from the same scene that I did. So they were like into metal and stuff like that. But they obviously didn't want like a just straight metal piece. <laughs> like so, um, I created something that was like was cinematic and that was it had all the kind of sort of lovely melodies and, and soft kind of things but then sort of at the end the climax when the, when the bride comes in I sort of incorporated a bit more of this sort of heavy heavy stuff but it's just just complemented you know yeah, what was going yeah. on so yeah that was an interesting experiment as well writing and composing that um, so yeah I'd definitely do that kind of stuff if I could get more so if, more you, if, if that opportunity came up oh yeah 100%, 100% yeah. yeah yeah man so besides music, what else do you like to get into? Do, um, so I was a, I was a competitive powerlifter. When I say competitive, I, I competed. Yeah, I competed. Doesn't mean I was competitive <laughs> as and I was that good. But um, yeah, so from around 2012, I competed in powerlifting federations in New Zealand. Damn. Um, yeah, I did a lot of that stuff. Um, what was what was your max weight? Oh man, so this is on record. Uh, so my <laughs> max, max squat was 240 kilos. Max bench was um, 182.5, I hit. Yeah. And deadlift was 282.5. Yep. So uh, there are like intermediate numbers for my weight. Um, Bro, it's still more than like, I can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that, it's funny because um, powerlifting really, really um, messes with your cal your mental calibration of what is good. Like you'll have a powerlifter like me who's been competing for five years who relative to other powerlifters is average to not really that considerably good. Um, thinking they're terribly weak and then every single other person who just goes to a normal gym will be like, how do you even, I can't even dream of lifting that. Yeah. Um, like I remember going to, uh, when I went to see Europe in 2016, we went around to a few cities. Um, we were trying to hit gyms um, just to, to make sure that we, because we were just eating bread all the time. So we are just <laughs> like, oh, we need to work out. So like, I'd go into a gym and I'd like bench 150 and have people standing there like watching like, <laughs> I was like, really, guys? It's just, it's not that much weight. Like, I've got, I know dudes in my weight who can bench 220, 230, yeah. you know? Um, uh, but like, yeah, you know, people in commercial gyms, they just have another sense of what, because they're not there to lift their max weight. They're there to work their muscles out. Yeah. So they see someone who picks up that much weight. They're like, whoa, how? I, I must admit, I'm one of those dudes yeah. that probably stops and stares and it's like, oh. Yeah, man. it's all good. Like, I, I like it. Like, I mean, that's part of why. Um, it's good I, for the ego. Um, it's great for you. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, man. So um, that's that's one thing. I was uh, that took up quite a lot of time outside of music. Yeah. yeah. So you don't do it anymore. I uh, man, I'm. Do you I'm, still go to the gym? Yeah, I do. So and uh, to be honest, I still train like a powerlifter. That's never going to sort of stop. But like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit too injured now to. Um, to oh, really bro, put, I've had yeah, so many injuries man, from crazy. trying to be a hero at the gym. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like no matter how good. 
no matter how much focus you put on technique and all that kind of stuff, which is very important, um, but no matter how much focus and energy and all that kind of stuff you put into technique, injuries are so inevitable because you like at the end of the day, I just don't think your body was designed to carry that kind of weight. It wasn't designed to do that. So yeah. when you push it to those limits, like you can uh, you can do amazing things. You you'll do amazing things with your body, but like your body will let you know in various ways <laughs> yeah. that it does not approve. Like, of this. Hey, I don't yeah, like this. Yeah, I don't like it, man. Stop. Um so that's that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So I yeah, it's definitely slowed down. And also just in terms of if you want to be a good powerlifter, you have to put in so much work, man. Like there's like, so I don't know, how long would you spend at the gym? Like an hour? An hour and a half. Hour and a half max. Yeah. A powerlifting session can go from three hours. You, man, there are people, you go there at lunchtime and they'll leave at five o'clock in the evening. That's their whole session. Because that's really? just how, yeah. Like some people, three to five hours is not that like Is crazy. that because they just do long ass wrists? Partly, yeah. yeah, but you need long as rest because if yeah. you're benching 90% or you're squatting 90% for eight sets, yeah. um, you're not going to be taking one-minute breaks. Your body's going to be like, stuff that. I need to chill for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a long breaks, And there's just a lot of, like, depending on what your program is, there's a lot of volume you might need to get through. So you take an hour and a half, two hours to just get through your bench or your squat, your deadlifts, and then after that you need to go and do all your accessory, like, I don't know, bicep curls for the girls. You need to go do your like um, lunges. Your mobility work might take an hour even before you even start. Yep. Um, everything that, yeah, builds up your your muscles to condition you to be able to do that stuff. Yeah, you need to do that afterwards and that, that takes hours. That can take hours as well. So, so yeah. did you, when you were doing it, did you spend like five hours in the gym? Doing I wouldn't say like five, not five, but yeah, definitely three hour sessions I've had. Yeah. And that's but would the time go real fast? Would you be like, man, this is taking ages? Sometimes it would, it would take ages when you're following a program and you've got like 10 sets of bench to do at the same weight. And you're like, mm, <laughs> really? <laughs> but um, sometimes when, especially when you're like, you might be testing that day or something and you know you have to take a long time to warm up and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, the time passes and you don't even think about it. You're just, you're just so focused on hitting the weight. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Ah, true. But do you still go to the gym? Do you, yeah, mo do you yes. mostly weights or cardio or what do you do? Yeah, and I still go to the gym and do, do weights. So I go to Aotearoa Strong, uh, oh, yeah. which is a, um, I wouldn't say a powerlifting, it's a strength and performance gym in uh, in uh, Penrose. Yep. Um, and yeah, they, they run a lot of powerlifting comps there. Um, and the, the, the person who runs the gym, the owner of the gym rather, she is the ex-GPC president. So she, uh, yeah, like, uh, that's still a very powerlifting oriented gym. Yeah. Um, although they're starting to sort of branch out into other things now. Um, but yeah, so I'm still kind of in that in that kind of scene in that circle. I don't really see myself sort of moving out of powerlifting because I'm just addicted to the feeling of getting getting better, getting stronger all the time. But even though it ebbs and flows, like you take a couple of weeks, take a month off the gym and you're suddenly like, oh crap, I've lost five years worth of project. <laughs> but it comes back real quick. And then you, yeah, you know, yeah. if you stick at it, you get even better. So yeah, yeah, man. I um remember you you did a track around um Israel audition audition uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 man um Stylebender yeah um so because he's from Nigeria he is yeah he's Yoruba um which is a, another one of the main ethnicities there yeah um but yeah I thought I'd do an O to him because like as a Nigerian Kiwi sort of person who's prominent and who's putting himself out there who obviously embraces the Nigerian side yeah, yeah. embraces his Kiwi side I was like oh man I see a lot of like uh, he inspires me uh so I thought I'd create a tribute track. The other guy who was on that track is a guy called um, Nyo Nonso, who's uh, he's an Igbo guy like me. Um, he's an amazing singer. 
amazing vocalist and I, I thought it would be cool to get him on a track and us to do like a bit of a Nigerian anthem for him. So like the rhythm that we use and the meter that we use in that is very like off center in terms of like, I guess your usual rap listen or usual even pop music listener would be like, what's going on here? Like they'll listen to it. And every time I play it live, people are like, I want to get into this but I'm not sure how to do it. Whereas like Africans are like, as soon as they hear it, they're like, ah, yeah, this is the beat from back home. They know it, but like, yeah. So um, it, was, it was a bit of a risk when I put it out because I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to get it, but I want to make sure that if I do something for him, it has that real sort of traditional backing to it. Did he hear it? Do you know? Yeah, he, he, he heard it. Um, he vibed it and he shared it off his Instagram and Facebook actually. Oh, damn. Yeah, Have that you was met the, him or not? Oh, yeah. Like we, our families know each other because he's been, he's, oh, yeah, true. yeah. He grew up, um, he came over here when he was fairly young. Um, I'd love and, to meet that guy, eh? Yeah, in a time where like there weren't many Nigerians here. So the Nigerian community, I mean, it still is pretty close, but even in that time it was real close. So yeah. anyone of his age uh, who spent a while in New Zealand, we definitely know. Yeah, um, yeah I've, I've met him a few times. So um, I'm, I'm on the board of an association called the Nigerian Association of New Zealand. Yep. So obviously um, we cover most of the North Island in terms of looking after sort of Nigerian migrants who come here and stuff. And That's we, cool, man. Yeah, we introduce them to like, uh, you know, our, the way we do things, the systems and stuff and, and make it sort of a comfortable transition for them. Um <clears throat> But we also hold a um, Independence Day party for Nigerian independence um, here in, in Auckland at the first weekend of every, the first Saturday of every um, October. Um, so, yeah, I usually see Israel there when he's in New Zealand. He comes along. Um, we get like seven to 800 people who come along every year. Really? So, yeah, yeah, mostly Nigerians, but obviously um, we extend the invite to anyone. Uh, so we get other community members coming along, some politicians, um, police representatives, everyone. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of thing we run every year. And, um, yeah, we see a lot of our people who are doing well uh, come together for that, yeah. 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 Oh, cool, man. Has he ever asked you to spar with him or anything? <laughs> <laughs> I would not dream of it, man. I would not dream. That dude is deadly. What if What if you asked him, you're like, hey, man, I'll spar with you, but you're going to do powerlifting with me. <laughs> man, I you know, I've seen him do some weights, and he lo he looks strong, man, like, Bro, he he's shredded, man. He, he's strong, man. And you need you need that explosivity, uh, explosivity. I don't even know that explosiveness. Rather, <laughs> <laughs> you need that to be able to do what he does. Um, a lot of the man MMA athletes like oh, it's man. a it's a different oh. uh, man. As they, I mean, they might not have the raw power that power you must, do. You have but to be they, impervious to pain, man. Bro, like you need to learn how to take a punch, like a real punch. It's not not even like a boxing punch. Like bo even boxing's bad enough, bro. Yeah. Taking a boxing punch bad enough. But um, MMA with those small gloves, elbows, knee. No, I would not dream of sparring with that dude. Yeah, <laughs> and also even the fitness. So the first time I started, I like uh, when I was um, a few years ago, I started getting into like a bit of just boxing with my flatmates and stuff, uh, just to see what it's like. And man, like you like two to three minute rounds. You're like really only two to three minutes. And when he asks this to do it, you're like, when is this round gonna finish? <laughs> like it starts, and you're like, wait, wait, it's only been twenty five seconds. I've been like punching my heart out and I'm ready to lie on the ground and you're telling me there's two minutes left of this round no um, so yeah I, I after that I gained a huge appreciation for like combat sport athletes and the, the amount uh, of it requires fitnessy, a, man. Uh, requires a lot of uh Bro, and here's, a lot of here's the thing. And a lot of training. Here's the thing. This is what I um. This is what really gets me right. This is obviously New Zealand's got this tall poppy thing. Yeah, it's and annoying. they've got and they've got this stay humble thing and all this. And and like the amount, the number of comments on Twitter and on on Instagram telling, oh Israel, you better stay humble, stay humble. This I'm like, bro, when you're in a 
when <laughs> when you're fighting in a sport where it is legal to kill your you're like you could die yeah you know like you 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 actually want to like, i think a lot of athletes have actually said yeah i'm trying to kill my opponent that's the kind of aggression when you're when you're in that kind of sport and in that kind of context if your mental like context your mental game is anything less than 100% belief in your 150% belief in yourself. If you're not at that level, you're going to get crushed and stampled on cuz you're 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 um messing with people who are like that. You're messing with people who think of themselves as gods. And a lot of people like are compelled away from that and think that's disgusting, but I understand why because like if you don't believe in yourself, who is when it's just you and the other person in the ring? You need to believe that you're gonna not only survive, that you're gonna you it's know psychological crush you. as much it's, as physical. It's psychological warfare. So I understand why Israel is like that. Um, I don't know how much of it is like genuine. I don't know how much of it is like um, something he's coached up to just be as an athlete. I don't know how much is just showmanship. But there definitely is an element there of needing to be like that that full of yourself. And I respect that. I'm like you know what these guys say about themselves you need to do it. Like, that's why he's doing so well so far. Um, and that's why, you know, you see uh, Wilder, um, who, like, is just ki killing it. Yeah. Like, he, he's out there saying all this nonsense, um, like, I'm going to kill my... And people are like, oh, my gosh, how are you saying you're going to kill? That's what you have to say. That's yeah. the kind of aggression you well, need to Well, you have to, to get have. into that mindset. That's the thing. So, And, and uh, you can't you can't get out of that mindset. You have to stay in that mindset 24-7. That's the thing. So I, I respect it. <laughs> yeah, I respect yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've watched a few interviews with mm. him, and I don't I don't actually think he's that arrogant. Mm, no, he's not. Like, um, and like, if you're just talking to him, he's such a lovely dude, man. Like, yeah, he's yeah such I've seen interviews dude. with him. He seems yeah, like he, a nice he's, dude. He's, he's, he's down just, to he's earth. Just, he's confident. Yeah. But then some people mistake confidence as arrogance. Yeah. When it's And yeah, some people just can't contextualize that arrogance. You know, they can't. They they don't they're seeing what he is on camera as it must be who he is as a person which is to ridiculous. The of, yeah, it's definitely something that you have to generate, and it's the same with battle rappers. Like like when you're in when you're battle rapping, <laughs> you, you say stuff about yourself that you're like, really? Do I really believe that? Like yeah. <laughs> you're like I descended from like Titan or something. Yeah. You're like okay, but when you're you're not rapping, you're like you don't actually think you're like the son of Zeus, but you might say that in yeah, a battle yeah, yeah. because that's the that's a kind of you know, that's where you need to Yeah, I mean, to, yeah. some of the most humble dudes I've met are battle rappers. Man. Oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, BFAC is humble ass. Yeah. But, like, when he gets in the ring, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's brutal, man. He doesn't, he doesn't hold anything back. Because it's, right. it's a sport. It it's is. A sport. It's a sport. Yeah, it's a sport. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sport. Yeah. So uh, these people that say these things, they're probably, they're probably looking at it through a narrow lens, mm. you know, or haven't been exposed to yeah. that. So they're just, you know. Jump yeah. on Twitter and, and it's, just, it's and some a, people are just hating, man. Exactly, and it's the classic thing of until you are in that position that they're in, you could you just need to be. <laughs> ironically, you need you need to be humble with how you you know yeah, yeah, yeah. express your opinion. So yeah. So coming back to music because mm. it's it's it, uh, traces back to it. So mm. how do you prevent yourself from getting affected by negative comments? Negative comments. Because um, well, do you get haters much? Just being like, yeah, yo, man, you're whack, bro. I get a little bit of that, man. Um... I think it's just so one of the one of the biggest things for me actually, uh, one of the turning points because yeah I'm naturally as a person I'm very affected by criticism, um, like uh, really yeah yeah like so um, you don't strike I, me as that man yeah so people who people who I think are at the depths of their being creatives are sensitive to criticism because it's a vulnerable practice to put your, put your oh stuff yeah up it there, is you know it is. so um 
Yeah, I was I was affected. But so when I started getting my first, like when my music started going beyond uh, my friend circles, going beyond my family, and sort of reaching people who weren't emotionally invested in me, yeah, uh, yeah. who could uh, you know who would just, just provide their opinion. Um, yeah, that's when I started getting people being like, "Oh, this guy's way he's gonna flow." Um, and at the time, I was like, "Oh crap, well, these guys are saying this what?" Um, but then 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 I realized I'm like, "Wait a minute, you go to go to someone like Kendrick's." Like uh, a YouTube video of Kendrick Lamar, yeah, and you'll see people being like, "This dude sucks." Like Kendrick Lamar sucks. <laughs> so if you have people saying that he sucks, of course there are people going to be saying that I yeah, suck. Yeah. You know, like you go to Adele, arguably like the best singer in the world a couple of years ago, right? Um, go to her YouTube page and see what people are saying about her. Shut up, you cow. That's what people are saying. You're like, bro, she's like, like there's no one better than her at singing at this point in time. And there are people calling her a cow and her songs are whiny and she can't sing. Like, if people can say that about people at that level, then of course they will say that about me. And when I really realized that, I was like, makes sense. Man. I don't I don't get like that just flipped a switch in me. I'm so like, do you know when to take when to take constructive criticism on board and when not to? So there's a saying that's like uh, that I thought was amazing is like, don't take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from. I think that's a crazy, that's an amazing saying because mm. like people who you would take advice from, people who you respect, people who you admire, um, if you ever, especially if you have a connection with them and they, they are honest enough with you to be like, look, man, uh, like you need to work on this. Um, this wasn't good. That That's completely different to someone who you have no idea about, who you have no interest in who's just another icon on a screen saying that your stuff sucks. Yeah. As different. Um, because I think it's also what's said as well, right? Because there's a big difference oh, between yeah. saying, hey, man, maybe you could have um, yeah, improved yeah. on this vocal yeah. instead of, yo, this is trash. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's definitely a big part. But also, like, even if that person says that's trash, like, you need to be like, well, I would actually, I would actually take advice from that person or that person has a might have a track record of making good stuff or demonstrating that they know what they're talking about. So if they say I'm trash, I need to be, I need to sit, step back and be like, Oh, hang on. Maybe I need to, you know, need to change things. Um, I mean, it's harsh. I would rather not people say I'm trash. I'd rather people actually be like, yo, this is what I didn't like about it. But you know, at the same time, some people, it's some people just aren't able to communicate that. Oh, so one of the coolest things or one of the most interesting things um, I realized coming from a producer background is that you need to stop making music for musicians. That was a trap that I fell into because I was being a musician my whole life. I'd make, yeah. I'd, I'd be a producer my whole life. I'd be like, look at all this like production detail that I've chucked in that only people who are very music minded will know. Only people who are uh, producers will will see and hear and all that kind of stuff. Um, but your average person who just listens to stuff on the radio or in the car on the way to whatever, like they're not going to listen to that. They're going to listen to a song and be like, do I vibe it? If I don't vibe it, it sucks. Yeah. So actually, <clears throat> paradoxically, <clears throat> when these people are like, it sucks, you need to be like, whoa, hang on. Um, <clears throat> it's, it might not be the most Constructive thing in the world, but it's communicating something important. It's communicating that your <clears throat> your music is not resonating with the people. It's resonating with a select few a musicians, niche. and yeah, 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 yeah. But like, if you're if you're wanting to really get out there uh, and extend your breadth and extend your depth and width of your influence with your music, <clears throat> you need to pay attention to these people who are just like, I don't, I don't vibe. It just doesn't connect with me, yeah. and it's 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 frustrating because you're like. <clears throat> 
do I change the drums here? Do I change the synth? Like, do I change the vocal? What do I change? They might, they they won't know. They won't know. Because the thing is, you can you can change your music very, like, you, you can alter your music by 2 BPM and it completely changes the feel. You show two versions of the track to people, they won't know what the difference is. They'll be like, oh, for some reason, this just, I just like it. I just don't like it. You can change the level of the vocal. You can change the compression on a the vocal. There are things that you can do that people will just be like, I like it, I don't. And so you... It's a it's such a valuable exercise to challenge yourself to listen to that advice and be like, what is it? What is it about this piece that's not really hitting the mark? What is it about this? And just try and step into the shoes of people who are not musical experts and understand why. Because at the end of the day, people, re people remember how they feel. They remember what moves them. They remember what inspires them, encourages them, um, challenges them, uh, invokes certain emotions. They don't remember, oh, yeah, man, the snare was dope. Like, not your average person. Like, maybe me and you who've been in music for a while, I love that record, that snare, just kick. But, you know, your average person's oh, not going to be like, I like the snare. They're going to be like, oh, I like it because I broke up with my person and I heard the song and it really spoke to me. Yeah. Deal yep. with it. Like, I was listening to the song and I, I, I sing it all the time now. That's the kind of feedback you need to be able to be okay with and learn how to navigate. Have you ever done a song and you're like, oh, I'm not really feeling this, but I'll release it anyway. And then it does. Oh, and then people love it. And you, you're know like, hey. you know what's funny? So like um, I released this track uh, called We Be On. It's the top of my Spotify. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to and fro with it. Like it was my first track I did with Kim Posey. Yep. Um, there were some days I was like, yeah, this is, this is banging. And other days I'm like, ah. Oh. Because I skipped a few like, I took a few shortcuts with the production. I took a few shortcuts with the mixing and all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, this is an experiment. I want to get it out there. We didn't promo. We didn't do anything. I was like, we're just going to put it out, see what happens. Um, it hits three Spotify playlists. I'm just like, wait, what? Like all this, like I put out an EP this year and every single song in that EP, I spent hours being like, is this vocal part placed the right millisecond is the snare hitting yeah. the right am i automating this at the right and the amount of detail from that ep um like I, I still listen to that ep i'm like even though i don't really like it too much like i appreciate the work and because i can still hear the work that i put into that ep to this day we beyond didn't have any of that effort in it but it got three spotify players people like bro this is the tune so i come back and i'm like i listen to it over and over again i'm like what is it and then it started clicking with me i'm like i can feel it i can feel what people are feeling with this song, I don't know what it is. It's like a combination of it's like it got a good vibe, it's got a good energy, it makes you feel nice. There's something about it. It's intangible. It's it can't really be described, but it just has that thing that stuck with people. So I'm like, ah. like even if I'm not feeling a song of mine that I put out, like I have to be like, I have to search and be like, does it have that intangible thing? that will connect with people. It's hard. Like, I don't think you can predict it. I think it's a lot easier to see in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like definitely there are songs that I'm like, um, songs that I, I don't expect to do as well as they do, that do well. Um, and songs I expect to do really well that just fall flat as hell. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I, I suspect that most artists go through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I even find... I might pick apart like some of my podcasts mm. that I do. I'll do a podcast and I'm like, oh man, that didn't go too mm. well. And then someone will like, someone will be like, yo man, this podcast is really good. And I'm yeah, like, really? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I like pick apart everything. And I'm sure because I'm a control freak mm -hmm. as well, and you're yeah. the same. Yeah. Like I only see sometimes I look at everything through like a negative lens, yeah. and I can only see 
the the stuff that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And also there's just the um it's just the bias that your mind has because you're so you're like it's like you're immune to the good things about you. Yeah, like you're, yeah. you're immune to it. Like all the stuff that does work, you're not your brain's not focusing on. You're fo- focusing on all the thing all the places where it misses the mark. Um like a lot of like so a lot of uh, what I really struggled with coming into hip hop was like my voice. I didn't like the sound of my voice in hip hop. I'm still not even really convinced by it, but people are like, especially in that two, the six song, they're like, dude, your voice is dope. I'm like, really? I don't really like it. Um, but like, it's that thing of like, when you listen to your, that's the, probably the most classic example when everyone listens to themselves for the first time. Recording, they're like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. disgusting. I hate it. Like, or, um, because we, 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 we only notice what we don't sound like and we, we, we only notice what we want to sound like whereas yeah, um, yeah. you know we don't we don't notice all the nice tones that come from our voice we don't notice all the the things that are attractive about it the way we pronounce words the way we might float off different kind of uh, phrases and stuff we don't notice that we just we do, we're just like uh, it doesn't sound like my favorite people's yeah right. I think like, a lot yeah. of people hear like Kiwi accents like on television and stuff like particularly if it's an American yeah, yeah. interviewing well, a Kiwi yeah. person you're like that's that's oh, really do we sound like that that's, yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. That's a really interesting Kiwi accents in hip hop is a really interesting subject, which I <laughs> I probably like my my opinion of is probably a bit counter what a lot of people think. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that. No, we can get into yeah, yeah, it. Okay, yeah, cool. Sweet, sweet. Um, so okay, so as a disclaimer, like if people, I respect the fact that people like okay, this is my accent. Like, I'm going to rap it now. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, what I don't like, I'm like, if you want to do Kiwi accent, have a look. That's cool. What I don't like is when people who do, who retain the Kiwi accent in hip hop, look at those of us who modify the accent um, and launch criticism at us for not being authentic. Uh... Um, the reason why I don't like that is because I don't think they're appreciating the fact that, <clears throat> first of all, hip hop is American culture. We can't get around that. It's like... I mean, uh, without getting too hardcore into the the, the, the history of hip hop and yeah, how yeah, yeah. you know some people think it's descended from Jamaica, or what, um, which it kind of did, but like hip hop sort of at its it, core, it's yeah, American. Yeah, it's at its core, and hip hop nurtured it. Um, and the sound of hip hop is inseparable from American culture. It's inseparable from how they lived, what they did, what they experienced, what they faced, how they talk, how they be, how they act, how they react. So you got people out here who walk like Americans, who have like American slang, who are doing all this American stuff and then talking like Kiwis and being like, why are you speaking like an American? I'm like, why are you acting in an American all these other ways? Like, let's be honest here. You're either, you, you know, you can't. So for me, yeah, I'm just They're moving like, the goalposts. Really. Yeah, yeah, they're moving the goal. And, and the other thing is, um, Kiwi, like we, New Zealand hip hop is like, I mean, hip hop in, in general is young, but New Zealand hip hop is even younger in terms of uh, its 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 growth and its its expansion. Um, and we are yet to very much solidify what Kiwi hip hop is. You can you can listen to UK hip hop and be like, yep, that descended from. Oh, I mean, you can hear the garage influence. You can hear the the all the different sort of. Uh, the drum and bass. You can hear all the all it the UK. It has a very unique sound. It has a unique sound. Yeah. Um, New Zealand hip hop. We we're still trying to figure stuff out, and that's cool. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. We like a lot of our hip hop just sounds like American hip hop that we're rapping our way on. Uh, some of it sounds like UK hip hop. We're we we're, we're still in the process of getting that identity, forming that um, forming that really New Zealand hip hop staple sound, and then coming out. And we we're not at the sense like. What I'm getting at with this point is that UK hip hop 
prior to when grime really got massive. Yep. Right. Prior to when grime really got massive, UK hip hop was actually frowned upon. Like um, within the UK, they were like, you guys are just trying to be Americans. And Americans were like, yo, you're weird. Um, (laughs) So, but what it took for UK hip hop, which is not UK grime, it's it's different. Well, what it it took for UK hip hop to really sort of make a bit of a global stand was for grime to get big. When grime got big and people got used to the UK accent, people like, oh yeah, UK accent's dope. Why? Because it's contextualized by UK music. It's not contextualized by just trying to be American music. Mm. It's contextualized by UK music. We're hearing the UK accent within a UK sound. That got big. Suddenly, we're used to the UK accent. It sounds good. It sounds ah, uh, makes sense ah. So when UK hip hop rears its head again, we're like, yeah, we can we can deal with that. We've heard the accent. It's come from grime. We like it. What has New Zealand done to establish its accent in music? Everyone, a lot of people who do pop are still singing pop with American accents. Um, our other, you know, our, our our Kiwi rock. We're still singing singing rock with kind of Kiwi-ish accents. Uh, sorry, um, American-ish accents. So what have we done to really establish the Kiwi accent as something that is palatable and something that, uh, on a global scale, and something that can exist within um, hip-hop, uh, American-style hip-hop, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, sound, and sound amazing. We're still forming that. We're still building that. I think it will happen. I think we'll, we'll get like this, this very New Zealand sound that globally makes our accent in music Sound well, awesome. I don't even think it's just with music. I think it's just in general yeah, yeah, because, oh, because general. New Zealand accents don't even, they don't get much mainstream yeah, 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 exactly. push in terms yeah. of, you know, in, in terms of film yeah, or yeah. anything. So like it's still young and I think it's still so young. people can't hear a New Zealand accent sometimes and be like, is that a yeah. accent? Yes, exactly. So yeah. once once that happens, I think then when you have Kiwi accent in American style hip hop, then it's going to sound a lot more like it makes yeah, uh, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Because at the moment there's still a little bit of, oh, I'm not really sure. Because we're just, we're literally just copying American, like you can trace that beat, that sounds like it's from Atlanta. That beat sounds like it's from there. Yeah, that's So you're just, we're just taking American beats and putting our accent over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is okay. Like, again, I'm not criticizing anyone who wants to do that. Perfectly fine. I'm just saying, like, don't turn around and criticize us for who are like changing our accent a little bit, you know, it, it, because like we ha- we're not at the point where um, well, it's art. Yeah, you know what it, I mean. Yeah, it I mean, there's that it, as well. It's yeah. art, like you know. There's that as well. Yeah. You and, and sometimes like I don't know about for you, but like even when I'm like rapping and stuff, sometimes I feel like I'm getting into a character or a, yeah a certain space yeah. or frame of mind, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you're like, you know, we don't get like that when someone's changes their accent for a yeah. film or something <laughs> yeah. you know yeah there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's british people that play americans and america yeah yeah you know? so like yeah i mean i guess what i'm trying to say is like uh i don't care what like i i mean americans might feel differently about this um which is interesting but like i i'm not bothered by what accent you put on um to do hip-hop i'm not but I'm, I'm more interested in the in the content um but yeah if you if you criticize people those of us who are doing sort of pseudo american or even there are some people like a lot of the drill guys from australia doing pseudo british accents now like yeah. people are you know are putting on something that makes sense in the context that they're doing it so i'm just saying look look if you're making american sounding music if you're dressing like an American, if you're you're walking and talk, uh, walking like an American, if you're thising that thatting thatting like an American, and don't turn around and say, "Oh, don't rap with an American accent," I'll be like, I'll just look at you and be like, 
All right. You know what, what I mean? It's, yeah. It's nuts. Like if you're going, if you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, Kiwi all the way, then just be a Kiwi all the way. Like do your do your music videos and and, and sandals and uh, eat eat fish and chips at the beach. You know that kind of stuff. Like yeah. do that. Um, yeah. But but don't you know? Don't try and and be an American and then criticize us for having an American accent. So do you get that quite a bit? Do you? Uh, not too much because I think a lot of uh, a lot of rappers are still doing American. But um, yeah, like there are some people like why is why is he why is he sounding American? Like Ryan know. Ryan Lovins who was on here. Yeah, yeah, like he's from America. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah. then some people be like, Yo, man, why are you rapping with an American accent? I'm like, Dude, he's American, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like he actually has his accent. Yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. and I get honestly, I understand the criticism because it's coming from a place of well integrity and authenticity. Like I get that perspective. I just think it's a little bit short sighted. Well, here's yeah. the thing, right? Because a lot of people think like rap you have to be authentic mm. you got to keep it real sort mm. of thing yeah but a lot of people don't keep it real to yeah, be perfectly yeah. honest you know well, you're, you're even like, even the dudes who are mainstream yeah. who are like on radio and stuff you know they're, they're not living the life that they claim yeah. yeah um and i guess exactly and and my i guess my my large point my sort of overarching point is the whole practice of doing hip-hop is an appropriation of american culture because that's where hip hop came from. The whole practice of being like, I'm going to be a rapper now is adopting a part of Americanism. So if you're going to do that, then it makes no sense for you to select what you don't like about um, what other people are doing and say it's too American. You just be like, well, look, the whole enterprise is American enterprise. So just, yeah, yeah. just get over it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's my opinion anyway. Like people are going to disagree. That's probably the first thing I've said on record that is disagreeable with a lot of people. So oh man, well, uh, yeah. but hey, it's, it might spark debate, but it's yeah. but it's all good. I mean, I, there's there's some battle rappers that rap with an American accent, but they talk, you know, yeah. when they talk, they have a Kiwi accent. Yeah, yeah. And it's and you know, and, and it might come up in a battle rap where someone yeah. will diss it, diss them for being yeah, yeah. authentic. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is, it is a um, common thing, man. Yeah, man. It's, all good either way yeah. yeah yeah so besides the powerlifting and music what um, else what else do you like to get into uh man this honestly like that's really taken most of my um oh okay so i do i mean this is not really too separated from music but i do a bit of like mentoring with like young people and stuff within the context like youth of, work yeah well within the context of music like i'll be invited to do like a workshop workshop with some youth yeah. Um, is, it, is it is it through like uh, what like a so church, I've, uh, church got, or uh, um, yeah some of that and I've got a friend who uh, works for Raise Up uh, YMCA sort of initiative oh yeah nice yeah 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 and he's invited me to do a couple of things so like I get um and the reason I bring this up is because I like it's less about the music per se it's more about I like I like Mentorship. the idea of yeah mentoring you know, I like the idea of teaching it was interesting when I was in my work uh, at Serato is where I worked I was a um, test automation engineer. And we did this thing called, um, uh, it's like a personality kind of uh, oh, thing. I've done yeah, one of those. Yeah, what are they yeah, called? Like yeah, the Marl Briggs? Um... Oh, there's Myers Briggs, but there's one, I think we, the one ours was called, was called Strength Fighters or something like that. And um, yeah, our management got everyone, all of our engineers to do it. Um, just to just to make sure that we're, we're placed in the company is correct and just, yeah, yeah. you know, we're optimizing where we're at. Um, and all the people in my role got really technical strengths as their, their top. Like everyone was like, oh yeah, logical thought, you know, critical analysis, um, problem solving, that and that. That's your top strengths and everything else came after that. Whereas mine was like empathy, communication and and rela oh, wow. relationship and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I remember my manager kind of sat me down and he was like, um, 
mm, so are you are you happy in your role at the moment? And I was like, I was like, like I was like, oh man, I don't want to lose my job. Yeah, man, I love my job. <laughs> but there was obviously something in me which was like, yeah. And yeah. my manager knew that, so he kind of got me towards the end of my sort of uh, tenure there. He got me to be involved with sort of like because uh, I was at a senior position and like mentoring some of the younger like um the younger people who are working there and stuff and yeah. and sort of teaching. So like the idea of yeah, yeah, just communicating ideas with people and helping them understand things like I love and obviously with young people that's a big part of yeah. it. Um and also I guess it just gives you a chance to reflect on areas when you were younger that you wished you that advice that you wish you had. Um, so it's all, it's like almost an exercise in, in self reflection as well, yeah. um, which I which I am a big fan of. But yeah, so what's that, what's some of the so when you're mentoring these kids, yeah, what's some of the common like? Are you just mentoring them solely in music, or are you trying to? It's mostly music. In, um, inspire them or helping them out with other problems they may be having. Uh, chi- yeah, chiefly I, I have done a bit of that, but it is chiefly within the like at least the the starting point is music. It's like yeah, you're, yeah. you're come and come and help these guys, and then like when relationships are formed there, they will all go into other subjects. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, the thing the thing that I like talking about with the music, <laughs> interesting that we've just had this conversation about uh, accents. And stuff, but the, one of the things that I've just that I talk about with young people is authenticity in terms of like, <laughs> um, in terms of not feeling like they have to. Um, be something else in order to be like like to attain what they want to attain mm. um like a lot of people go into sort of a lot of the young people they'll listen to these people on the radio and they'll be like oh i have to sound, i have to be like that i have to sound like that i have to be these people in order to get and it's a natural thing like you just want to when you're young you want to fit in you look at people you're not that good at hiding your influences like <laughs> they come through um so so like i was i'll be mentoring these these kids and they'll be rapping about pulling up to your block with a glock i'm like bruh uh, <laughs> i'm do, like do and you, you have know, a glock yeah, the, the, well, the thing, i'm like first of all it's awesome that you're not actually trying to do that stuff and that you're in the studio just talking about it. It's awesome that you're making music and you're just, you're actually doing something that's ultimately constructive. Yeah. I just need to sort of guide your ship a little bit. So you're not talking about that stuff and you're talking about stuff that you've actually been through, you've actually felt and that will that you can use to resonate with your peers. And you can do it in a cool, you can make anything sound cool if you're creative enough. So that's the exercise. Yeah. Just delve into your delve into your history, delve into your whakapapa, delve into what you're about and talk about that and cultivate a creativity that's that's competent enough to make it sound awesome. Yeah. That's why that's like my main sort of starting point with those guys. So I'll be like, look, bro, like that song, yeah. um, tell me about you and then let's workshop a way that we can write a verse to, to you know, communicate. Because I'll, I'll workshop, I'll workshop one of my verses verse I usually use as an example is from uh, one of my songs called Na Wetendeno. Um, I literally, like my verse is literally talking about the most like, in terms of hip hop, the kind of lamest thing ever. Like, yeah, my parents came from Nigeria. They went to England. My mom's a good cook. My dad was really smart. We came here and this is who I am. I'm Nigerian. I'm Kiwi. Like putting that in a rap, if you just say it, it sounds kind of dumb. But yeah. the way I've constructed it, I show these young people, like, oh, wow. Yeah, like that actually sounds real dope. 
Um, so I'm just like, yeah, and that all I'm all I'm telling is my story. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to do this, say or be anything that I'm obviously not going to be. You you don't you probably don't even live on a block, bro. Do you know what a block is? Like you don't have a Glock. You're not pulling up on anyone with a Glock. You're not shooting anybody. You can't. Don't talk about getting the clubs. You're 17. That kind of thing. So I'm just like, bro. Like everyone's story can sound interesting can resonate with other people because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. There is something about you that exists in someone else. There's something about you that exists in all these millions of people. You can reach them, just figure out how to do that. Don't, don't like, and one thing I need to tell all of these kids is like, bro, you know the people who rap about pulling up with Glocks actually pull up with Glocks. You know that happens. Like that, 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 a lot of these people are just like, yeah, this is my life. That's how that kind of gangster rap started. Like these people were living in yeah. situations where they had to do that to survive. Like everyone talking about selling coke. Like yeah, you, like that was the option for them in that time because of the social political situation. Mm. So I'm like, bro, um, step back, man. And like, I know that's what a lot of people you listen to are, are rapping about, but you can make your stuff sound that cool, that edgy. Um, you just need you. You might need it extra bit of creativity to do it because there aren't as many influences out there for you to look to to be like, yeah, he's doing that. Yep. But you can do it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a big entry point for me anyway, just being like, bro, like, who are you? And then that conversation will lead to other things because obviously when these kids talk about what they've been through and what they've done, um, they open up a bit more, they get vulnerable and they talk about what's actually happening and, you know, then it gets into like, oh, yeah. Has it ever made you aware of things that you weren't aware of previously? Uh, sorry, well, what do you mean? Like, so... You know, it, it, would there be sometimes a, a trend with some of these kids? Like they might have gone through similar problems. Oh, you know yeah, how so yeah, say yeah. in New Zealand we have child poverty, we have domestic right. violence, yeah. those sort of things. Do you ever see, or you're mentoring some kids and you're noticing like a pattern? Yeah, with, so a with lot a few of, of them. A lot of it is like a disconnection with, uh, oh, like a parental situation is a massive thing. Yeah. Um, like yeah, feeling a disconnect from their parents, their parents either not being there at all or something, and then the, them getting parented by by <laughs> rap artists instead of being, you know, parented, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, instead of into there, so that that's a massive thing. Um, I think just also identity is a huge thing. So uh, like the kids, I, I quite enjoy um, kids who are of color because they obviously resonate with me in different ways. So I think um, working out your identity can be a traumatic thing. Like it can be traumatic, especially for Māori in New Zealand. It can be a traumatic thing to work out your identity. So a lot of these Māori kids who are trying to work out their identity are sort of looking to places that they shouldn't look to. And I'm like, I'm understanding. I'm like, I get it, man. But let's try and steer you to something that will uplift mm. you, your peers, and your, your you know, everyone else in your circle. Um, so that's that's one of the things as well, like just figuring out who they are, accepting who they are. Um, because, like, yeah, we have a history in New Zealand of um, preventing Māori people from accepting who they are, um, preventing them from uh, flourishing within their culture and, and, and lifting up their culture. So when you've got these kids who, uh, who are Māori but feel like they shouldn't be Māori, that's a huge dissonance that creates a lot of trouble within their minds. Um, so like I, I'm not maximum. Well, when they say when you say don't want to be Maori, Maori in terms of they don't want to look like one, or they don't want to they be might speaking not, the language, they, or they just yeah. don't want to. They might not want to. They look, don't want to just be associated with. Yeah, it. They, they yeah exactly. And um, a lot of it is a lot of it is subconscious. It's not con like you won't get them saying, "I don't want to be Maori," but you'll get them trying to be everything that's not Maori, and you'll get them and you'll yeah. get them thinking that. Uh, their Maori language is not beautiful and amazing. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm I'm trying to be here, like, bro, like I 
first of all, like I'm never coming at them like, bro, you're dumb for doing that. Never. Cause I'm like, I went through that, man. It was only a couple of years ago that I'm like, yeah, I'm Nigerian. I should really learn how to speak Igbo. Um, it is cool to be from where I'm from. And it's yeah. awesome. Like, um, so I, I come at them and I'm like, bro, like I get it, man. I get, <laughs> I get where you're at. Um, I, I just hope that I can at least share some of my story with you so you can see that embracing where you're from. Um, is great. And I understand that in a New Zealand culture, in a New Zealand context, it's more difficult for you. It's easier for me here because like we, we don't have the history with Nigerians there, you know, here that we do. If, uh, maybe yeah, if I was in Nigeria, it'd be different. Yeah. But like here, like I, I don't have the same history as you. So I understand that it's it's a it's a path paved with more obstacles for you. But we can, you know, I can still help you navigate that. A little bit, at least. And yeah. At least I can get you to see that, you know, maybe there's a way forward that's not down this path that you're currently going. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's something I, yeah, I get involved in. I'd yeah. love to get involved in more. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I I totally feel for Māori in, in some cases where, because you know how there's the media and it always feels like there's negativity surrounding yeah. the culture. And, I mean, I, I know some Māoris that are just like, they get, annoyed you know uh with with the negativity yeah because obviously not there's it's not like every maori is is oh, bad look, or, look, or going through troubles and stuff definitely... but they, but stuff puts gets put into this generalization or yeah yeah all maoris are like this or yeah. or like this i'm like no everybody there's bad I mean, there's bad there's I mean, bad people in every culture there's people that go through hardships in every culture it, it's, and, it's and an, i just yeah. I, I i feel for a, a lot of maori in terms of i mean it's a it's a narrative stereotype. that's constructed everywhere there's been colonialism like the, yeah. the native people uh, sorry the indigenous people the 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 people who were the, the previously enslaved people um they've got something inherently wrong with them and uh, the thing is um that's what they say and the thing is like i get into this conversation with a few people who like it really confuses me when people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, um, they, there's just something wrong with their culture or something. There's something wrong with blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if there's a, like, why, if there's something wrong with Maori culture, and that's the reason why um, they're in the social economic situation they're in, can you explain also why um, black Americans are in that situation? They, they have the same social metric. Can you explain why First Nations Canadians are in this, why Indigenous Americans are in this, why Indigenous Australians? Can you explain, like, are you going to explain culture? Are you going to say that it's their culture that's the issue? Because when you start to say that it's their culture that's the issue and you draw these dots, you're saying, every single brown culture around the world has a problem and that's why they're not they are not on the social political uh sort of sorry social economic level that white people are on when you say that you're saying oh right okay so brown culture is inherently <laughs> worse than white culture there's a word for that you know like, I, don't, I don't think i need to say it but there's a word for that um but th this is the kind of attitude and the thing is people will like not think of themselves as racist because they're not out here saying you moldy this or you black that or that they'll think of themselves as exempt from racism because they're not saying that but at the same time they're saying oh there's probably just something culturally wrong they're not understanding how that is actually the same well thing. I, I don't even think it's as, as simple as that mm. to make it black and white like that it's that, it, there's, it's, there's, it's, it's so much shades of gray well it's and it, it's, so it's much complex more, yeah it, it's, it's, it's very 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 complex it's complex of, but if you start like my my now my faith and i mean a lot of people have different sort of philosophies that they come from but my faith that i come from like uh, the christian faith says that everyone's made in the image of God, right? So my starting point is you're equal. 
I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care what situation you're in. You're equal. Your people and my people are equal. We are of equal value. We're of equal worth, right? I'm sure there's like no objective, no, no valid objective way to say that these people are less intelligent. We, we, we have the same minds. We're all created by God to be his people. So I'm like, that's my starting point. So when I look at the world and see that we're not all on equal footing in terms of power, in terms of wealth, in terms of uh, political influence and all this stuff, I have to ask myself, what happened? What happened? If we are equal, what happened? Um, but like, and it, and so it like, I can't go to the place of saying that, oh, these people are just worse. I can't go there. So I have, to, yeah. So I, I'm asking myself like, what happened? What, 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 what happened in history that has put us in this situation? And what are the structures that are in place that are enforcing the situation? And how can we start to call those out and tear those down? So um, in my music, when I talk about, uh, when I say things that are anti-racist, when I just talk about these political things, uh, that's where it comes from. I'm like, well, we, we are equal fundamentally. I don't, you know, like, mm -hmm. for me, it comes from Christianity. Uh, for other people, it comes from something else. Like, uh, if you share the belief that we're fundamentally, fundamentally equal, we have enough in common to have this conversation and to start sort of dismantling the things that are, uh, are threatening what is an important outlook, us being equal. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Deep talk, bro. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, look, man, I might wrap it up there, and yeah. there's anything else you want to cover. That's yeah, all good, man. No, nah, man. Uh, uh, hey, thanks again for coming through. No worries, um, bro. I think we should uh, finish with you uh, spinning a verse. Yep. Yep. Sure thing, man. Um, but yeah, so where can um, everybody check you out? All your social media uh, and everything? Uh, yeah, so Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's just at Unchained Excel. So it's Unchained, Unchained Excel. Excel. Um, Spotify, Unchained Excel. I'm on SoundCloud. Like all my, you can find all my stuff on there if you don't want to pay for the music that you're listening to. Um, <laughs> Support the brother, man. Yeah, Support yeah, the yeah, brother. Yeah, there's nothing too much happening on my SoundCloud, but yeah, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, go to Apple, all that kind of stuff. Search Unchained Excel, you'll see my stuff. Yep. I just want to thank Unchained Excel for coming through again, man. He's about to kill this beat. Seriously, one of the best MCs to ever do it. So just <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> so Very the sure. beat's gonna kick in now. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Lincoln. Yeah, loops, let's go. Look. When it come to intellectual class, I'm an aristocrat, manufactured with exported homies to Trinidad. A combination of this and that, a puzzle cast like a thousand followers with zero pictures on Instagram. I'm compelled to be against the mass trajectories into Nash, cooking beats with exceptional titter tat. Yup, this is rap, I'm steadily spitting facts, killing tracks as easy as Yankee Pro will be killing blacks. And boat stoppers, they can get these hands. We jump through hoops, they get a visa. We glow trotting immigrants. If you against the grain, I'm celiac. Even though I'm weep from Chaffa, wasn't bred to being herds of being packed, yeah, I'm seeking asylum in Atlanta ghosts, with the cookies, muscle and a Jackson's go. I'll be glad to boast of being half as dope, breaking new ground and crack a road like a snap of plastic Afrocone. Used to hate my hair, but lips is what they flack the most. Some kids be laughing, they ass of others be passing notes. Now plastic doctors go relaxing boats, only practice and selling fake African features, collecting cash for those. And I'll be getting cash for shows, but I'm chewing Panadol and jumping like antelope, trying to catch a rope to pull myself over and get all my partners a hand to grope. But in the process, trying to grab the go, be bad to bone, smash my goals, open the gates, kick out the keepers out. Anyone trying to be striking and begin the entry, no one I'm speaking about. But I know that no weapon formed against me will keep me down, so I ain't freaking out. Over there, Arsenal's a beast, scouse. 
And you won't see me cracking like a leaky house This me, you get Disney, no Mickey Mouse uh, I'm playing, violence is not what I be about But I might just rethink that if you try to bring them tiki's out I'll be without any tolerance for supremacists And it gets real hard to show your friendlies with the exodus When they say they're your ally, but they is acting a nemesis uh, You discover that they was that from the genesis uh, This whole entire industry is where my terraces So I jettison fake rappers out of my premises I dispense curseless antiseptic sentences to disinfect hip-hop of sex and chemical fetishes Whoa, look, I stay clean spitting with it Characters cross me, I delete them like the Twitter limit I keep it easy on the mental for the simple critics So the flow is constant but the consciousness is intermittent uh. I'm just trying to collect remittance Without penning lyrics about sipping Henny spirits Some of folks can say the Alpha and Omega's in it Plus, I think it rather down a Guinness Excel